let's talk about Ark. Let's let's talk about Ark. So in this game, you are the Warcaster. And I say that because that's like the tagline for the game. Um, but so that differs from Hordes and uh, War Machine for people who don't play them in that those games, the Warcaster or Warlock is actually represented by a model on the board. And if that model dies, the game's over and you lose. Like that's a victory condition. In this game, the, the whole gimmick yeah, there's no caster kill in this game. You are the war caster. Welcome to another episode of Three Men and a War Game. I'm Paul, and I love infinity. <laughs> uh, I'm Kevin. I also love infinity, but I love a lot of miniatures games. And this is Potter, and I'm waiting for a cold storm to come. Brr, brr, bad pun. <laughs> yeah. It's not a bad pun. That's a that's yeah. a that's a good observation. It's appropriate. It was appropriate. Yeah, super appropriate. Those were all Infinity references, if anybody wants they to know. They were. Three three out of three for Infinity there. I know. That's awesome. Too bad I haven't edited that episode or released it yet. <laughs> Oops. Well, no, I'm so, I'm, I'm, I'm so far behind on my editing. So my apologies, but one of the one of the reasons is because I knew I was going to have a quick turnaround on what we're going to talk about tonight. So without that, you know, with that ADHD factor of something is either of immediacy and needs to get done right now, or it can be done at some point, all the other episodes I have to edit fell into, I can do that at some point. Procrastinators of the world unite tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. So this one, this one, since this one's a Kickstarter related, it's going to go out hopefully at some point tomorrow well not hopefully it will go out at some point tomorrow and then i'll edit another one famous last cool no it will it will trust me because it's 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 that oh my god it needs to get done right now it'll get done we trust you we trust you paul we're just so anyway that's that's enough of 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 my issue so uh what have you guys been doing hobby wise um, I've been, uh, pretty unproductive, um, just like slowly working on things, um, working on some Marvel crisis protocol stuff as always working on some star breach stuff, working on some terrain projects. Uh, didn't really finish much, um, just, you know, general work and then, uh, played a lot though, played a lot of star breach, uh, played some Marvel crisis protocol, Today I played this really cool game called Hordes of the Things, um, which is a rank and flank game that my buddy really likes. And I went over to his house and played it over lunch and we played in six millimeter scale. So we had a six millimeter scale battle of like Romans versus uh, lizard men. Oh, cool. Awesome. Um, Yeah. And Hordes of the Things is is a cool thing. I think we'll probably do an episode devoted entirely to it because it's very neat at some point. Because you can play it in six mil or fifteen mil or thirty or twenty-eight mil or whatever you want, um, but I think it's best probably at six or fifteen, and it's really it's really neat. Very cool. Well, that sounds like fun. 
So, so, and also what I'm gathering from your, your discussion on hobby there is it's not necessarily that you aren't accomplishing things, but you're working on a wide variety of things. So the progress feels slower. Yes, that's, that's accurate. Yeah. It's like you have gamer ADD or something. I know, right? No. He's, sub- he's like susceptible that. to his own hype. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder if he's like sitting there with three different painting projects on his desk going, damn it, chops. I, like no, the rest of us. <laughs> that, that is. And if you looked at my desk right now, there is, uh, I have um, a Eldar model for my star breach list. I have uh, Bucky sitting there for Marvel crisis protocol. And I have Braun for song of ice and fire. All three of them <laughs> looking at me angry. that They don't have pain on them right now. Nice. Well, get, get pain on them. I know. I know the scariest one is probably Braun. Yeah. He might, yeah, he that might Braun model you. is. Yeah. He wants that coin. Yeah, he does. How about you, Potter? What you've been hobbying? Uh, I am actually in the process as we talk right now, painting some uh, Infinity models for my military orders. Awesome. So, it has been pretty much the uh, consumption of my gaming. Although, built my uh, my son, my kids' birthdays next. Both my kids' birthdays are next week or next month, and uh, so we went through and. Uh, Built their their birthday wish list on Amazon, and I was like, "Oh, buddy, I know what you want." Went to looked up some NCP stuff, and there was Venom. He's like, "Put it on the list." <laughs> nice. So, have they played much with you? No, they played the one time. They've they've not asked to play since, and I'm not pushing it. Uh, just because, like, I want them. I don't ever want them to feel like they have to play my hobbies and, and enjoy my stuff. So if they want to do it, I, I'm definitely hundred percent there to show them and walk them through and play with them. But at the same time, I'm not going to push it on them. You know, I want them to make their own decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Understandable. Yeah. So what about you, man? What have you been working on? Uh, uh, like chops, I've been somewhat unproductive, but I think like I seriously been unproductive. I, well, Kind of, I guess. I managed to build some Tinker Turf terrain for sci-fi. Or sci-fi. Oh, Jesus, Christmas. Uh, for Infinity. Or sci-fi terrain <laughs> for Infinity. <laughs> Which has been actually quite awesome to build. Uh, I don't know if you enjoyed building yours, Chops, but I've really enjoyed building mine so far. I love it. It reminds me of building... Um like sturdy paper airplanes. Like, I don't know if anybody ever had those model kits when they were younger. They're like paper airplanes that came on like two millimeter cardstock. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to build them with my dad all the time and building Tinker Turf just like makes me really nostalgic for that. And I really enjoy the process of building it. Had the hard, yeah. pl- hard, hard, had the hard plastic noses on the airplanes, right? Yes, sir. Yep. 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 Know what you're talking about. I mean, and the nice thing about it is that the the process of building it is that it forces you to not rush. Yep. Which which I really like because otherwise I'll end up rushing. So I ended. They they came out really nice, just simply because I couldn't just say, "Oh, I just want to get this part glued on and, and move on to the next one." I had to take the time to let it sit and dry, which which really made them come out really good. I I so far I've built the uh, four containers from the container set, which I've been really happy with. And I started working on the Maglev Depot, but I didn't finish it yet. Yeah. Uh, So I'm really excited about that. So that's probably been my my biggest thing. Um, I'm also working on some Chain of Command stuff. Uh, I got my monthly game with Bob coming up this coming weekend. 
So I am working on a support piece and working on some terrain for that as well. Uh, trying to get a bridge done for the for the table. Well, there with me asking you to play some Infinity this weekend while all the rest of the guys are at the tournament. Yeah, nope, not Damn on Saturday. Um, gotta gotta do that because it's it's you can come hang out and and watch Chain of Command. I think I'll watch paint dry. Oh, come <laughs> paint and you can watch it dry. Yeah, just I would go go paint and hang out with them while they talk about World War Two like a bunch of dorks. Yeah, man. Nerds. Uh, yeah, basically. <laughs> Pretty sure. Uh, that's but yeah, so so that so that's the main bit of my hobby. I did manage to play uh, a couple games of Infinity. Nice. How's exciting. that going for you? How are you feeling? Are you feeling better? I mean, it's going to be weird for people who hear last week's recording next week when you're like, "Oh my god, this game!" How are you, <laughs> how are you feeling yeah. about it right now? Spoiler alert: um, the the time travel of of recorded stuff. I'm feeling good. Uh, I I feel like I'm starting to get to a point um, where I'm starting to really understand models and how they function, good, and not good. not like all of them. And and this is something that you know we talked about on the episode that is forthcoming. Um, but but starting to see what differentiates different types of models and kind of their battlefield role. I'm starting to see some of that. Um, I think the one that I probably am starting to understand quite well is the uh, Umbra. Because even though it looks like it should be impressive in melee and and decent at shooting, what I've realized about it is that it isn't meant to go head-to-head in melee with something that is a dedicated melee model. No, it's meant to kill smaller stuff. Yeah, it's going to kill things that are... Pretty good in melee, but if it goes up with something that's meant to be in melee, it's going to get slaughtered. And it's good enough at shooting that it can probably take out those dedicated melee models at range. Yep. So it's kind of like a, a, a mid-range piece, but that's a that's a kind of interesting uh, dynamic for a model to be in, where it's pretty good at things, but you still have to figure out exactly how to leverage it. And I guess that's kind of the the thing you find with elite armies anyway, mm-hmm. is that they everything really does have a specific purpose, and they need to be carrying out that. Yep. So I'm I'm excited about my my personal development in in that, and I'm starting to see how some of the Shazvasti work in the Onyx, which I'm really enjoying. The the Malignos are very neat with how Woo! they can pop out. That's a scary profile. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a really cool model with being able to come on the table and and be in hidden deployment. And I've been feel I've been fielding one of those alongside Kerr now, who is super amazing, awesome as well. Very so, cool. Yeah, so that's that's some of the Infinity stuff. So look forward to that episode coming soon. TM. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, moving on from hobby, uh, we got a Kickstarter that's out. Well, not we having a Kickstarter, but we want to talk about a Kickstarter that's out uh, from Privateer Press, and that is uh, God. What is what is the exact name? Neo Mechanica Warcaster Neo Mechanica Neo Mechanica. Okay, so I'm going to forever refer to it as Warcaster Five Thousand, and. Uh, 
So, <laughs> well, yeah, wasn't that wasn't that like how it was marketed to begin with when they first announced? No, it? no, 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 no. That was straight up the straight up the community started calling it WM five K. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Because yeah. because they said that it was sci fi and it was five thousand years in the future. So yeah. So okay. immediately the score meme started with WM five K. Yeah. Yep. So it will. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Forever be be Warcaster 5K to me. Um, All you had to do was say scorn memes, and you just you could have stopped right there. Got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. I just can't bring myself to leave that group. I find too much stuff actually funny, but I probably should leave it because it is a interesting world in there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, Warmacaster or yeah. Warmacaster. Warmacaster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like Warcaster it. Warcaster 5K. <laughs> well, there's there's uh, some new memes for the scorn uh, scorn community right there. Currently, currently on uh, Kickstarter. So Kickstarter ends. I think it's either February 20th or February 21st. So if you're hearing this, you still have time to jump in. Um, let's talk about the Kickstarter a little bit. I checked uh, just before we started recording, and it was at three hundred ten thousand dollars. Um so three hundred ten thousand with eleven ish days to go is very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was expecting it to finish somewhere between three and four thousand, and or three and four hundred thousand. Uh, and I think <laughs> it'll probably finish closer to four fifty or five hundred thousand by the time it's done. That's the way they go, right? You get that big initial boost, yeah, it's really slow through the middle, and then it, they finish really strong. Yep. Um, and I, I think that's how it's gonna go. I think we'll, they'll get somewhere near half a mil, which is really impressive, right. honestly. Yeah. Um and they've been knocking down some pretty neat stretch goals too. The conservative but neat. Um and let's talk about it a little bit. So the yeah. buy-in for this game um the starter kit is $70. Yes. Uh, and there are three factions on offer if you want to go get in on this. Two of these will be delivered in July and the other one will be in late August or two of them in June, one of them in August. Um each of them is basically identical. Uh you get 6 white metal models um they say they're going to be mixed media like some of them are going to be resin and metal but we've seen some of the early previews and they're 100 metal um the things that have been shown that people have been sent early um and what you get is uh a weaver which is like a, a sci-fi mage kind of person some sort of solo and all of the different solos if you're not familiar with war machine uh solos don't necessarily have a specific role, but they, they occupy one role of a possible many, if that makes sense. Like generally solos have a perp they're, they're filling some sort of gap. And in this game, solos can be melee operators. They can be snipers. They can be objective runners, all those sorts of things. And the different solos will have different uh, mechanics and ways that they work depending on the army. So one weaver, one solo, one squad. Squads in this game are made up of three models and a light warjack. So it is six models, but one of them is pretty big. You also get a full set of play dice, um, nice heavy card uh, unit cards, uh, of which all of the different configurations for your jacks. Uh, So you get the jack chassis card plus the cards for 
the cortex and weapons so that because you can customize your your war jacks in this game um plus the models plus you get uh like a 26 card uh rig deck which you don't bring all of them to the to a specific game so you get some rig customization right off the bat and the rigs the rig is a deck of cards that you use to cast abilities in the game all right so i think that's everything you get in the 70 dollar book thing plus tokens objective markers rules etc right it's everything that one person needs to get running right out the gate yeah it comes with a paper a paper playmat too doesn't it i don't know if it does or not um, okay. but with or without the paper playmat use i think you still get it, it, it you still get quite a bit for 70 um and i, I want to I, I, i've seen a lot of comments of people saying 70 seems steep and i was guilty of that uh People, before you get at me in Discord, talking about how much I was complaining about how expensive it was the day that the Kickstarter launched. I, I, I'm i going to admit it. At first, I was like, what the hell? $70? But then I started to think about it. So, um, I think that, the, I think there's, there's definitely at least one justification for it. Well, the, the first and most important is that it's entirely manufactured. Well, the models and a lot of the parts are manufactured in the United States. Yes. And that's a that's a huge thing for me, um, is that they are made here. The sculpts are made here. Yeah, they they make the the so their sculpts are made here. The all of the work done to make the casting is done here. So yeah. it's it's all done in the states, which is pretty cool. That's a huge thing for me. That really yep. is like that's yep. a huge huge selling point for me. Yep, yep, like, big deal. Huge. Also, if we think about it, think about it in terms of Operation Wildfire. So Operation Wildfire, you get 14 white metal minis, uh, a rule book, some dice, and then tokens and cardboard terrain, right? And a battle yes. map. So what you're missing in this box is the chipboard terrain, which I think is understandable here because that's like Corvus Belly's fourth or fifth iteration on like you know you know what i mean or how they've been releasing this terrain yeah. they, like so they've been at it for a while and also they are sourcing most of the stuff from china uh, at least that that portion of it right they might they i don't know if they're molding and sculpting and uh everything is done in spain for their 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 miniature making but that you know they they have a lot of outsourcing and also um they have a different whatever their dis, their distribution chain is different. However, if you look at it for vault for value, right, it's a similar amount of models and a similar amount of content that you get out of the box for about the same price as half of Operation Wildfire. So I think there's if you think of it that way, then uh, if this is too expensive, then so are Infinity Starters, and I don't think anybody's saying that. No, I and I and you know that's just it. Is I don't I don't think realistically it's that bad. Um, no, it's not. I think and and because even if you compare it to other things, Privateer Press has done, and you go, well, the Mark III starters for War Machine are only forty dollars, but they're made of junk, rustic plastic that's terrible, and you're getting half the mobs. And like, yeah, even though there were markers and stuff in there, I think I like the look of the markers and the stuff that you're getting in, uh, in Warcaster better. Yeah. And those weren't even really markers. Like it was like a half-assed attempt. Yeah. All right. So that's the Kickstarter. Now we'll talk about the game and we'll sum it back up by again, reminding people of the prices and the dates that they can go to talk about it. Well, so no, wait, 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 before... wait, 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 Chops, before you move yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. 
you don't only have a $70 price point to get, right? right? $70 oh, well, is you're you, just in. Yeah, you can get, go in for 70 You can go in for 130 which is a, which is double the amount of the starter content, plus it's alternate models for this, the stuff that you'd get too, right? So some, some sculpts are different, but you get, instead of uh, four units, a unit in this game too. So the solos are units, squads are units, jacks are units. Everything that activates as one is a unit. So right. you're getting double the amount of units at that 130 uh, and then you can step up into a three hundred and ten dollar, I think, uh, yep. pledge, and the the three hundred the three hundred dollar pledge uh, quadruples it, basically. Well, and and it's that that I believe has different models, right? It yeah, does. It does. It's, it's got some different you, stuff. You, from yeah, you also stuff. get a heavy warjack right. uh, in that pledge, which is a in it looks it will be like a sixty to seventy dollar model on its own, right? And and here's 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 my issue with the pricing on that. I wish that there was a option to get the seventy dollars starter and the extra stuff from the three hundred ten without getting the doubles. That may be when they go into the, their to their backer kit, like at the end of it, where you can do an add on, and they may be able to let you, you actually it. can. That, that's, they, they, they like I, under, I understand that they are as add ons, but I wish there was just a package where I could just go click. It's the seventy dollars and the upgrades. You know, I, I mean, mean, I think that is what the hundred thirty dollar one is. No, no, the hundred thirty dollar one is just two of the starter. Yeah, I don't think it's got a heavy right, in it. But, but it doesn't have a heavy, but the, the sculpts are different. So you get a sep- the hunter and the weaver are both different sculpts when you get the $130 one. Um, mm, I was pretty sure that it was just the same stuff. And I, I, I could be wrong. So. But I when I looked at it, it looked like it was just a second patch or second set of what came for the, the $70. Either way, though, um, you get a lot for... I think for what you're pledging in terms of uh, other war games. Oh, and the heavy jacks are forty dollars, not sixty. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, that's yeah, that's a that's a good one. Like I said, and, and maybe I'll have to go back and double check and see if I'm I'm wrong on that because then that might be something else for me. And then part of it is because the Kickstarter is confusing to look at, which is why I was trying to to break it down as like really you're just looking at those those three main options, and then you can put in some add-ons as well. Right. Right. Okay. So now both of you guys uh we've done, we've we've sort of gotten this metric before uh you know how excited are you for this game right now before we start getting each other hyped up about it Um my hype has gone down since the Kickstarter's gone live I I will be one of the people that have issues with the the price point um I mean I I think everything that you're doing from a math standpoint is a is a logical argument just where I'm at right now, seventy is a lot for me to shell out for. It feels like a lot. It feels like a lot. A f- yeah, it feels for a quarter of an hour. Right. It, it, it feels like a lot. And it, you know, I, I think what's what's hurting it is that the the large, because of the fact that the way that the game is designed with, you know, it's what is it fifteen? You get fifteen units in a lar- in a large four by four game. 15 units plus three bonus solos. Right. So you, so you're looking at, so yeah, 15 units and then three solo models, you know, you probably maybe have two, three units in there. So there's nine models with, with, I just, it didn't seem 
to begin with, it seemed like it was going to be that skirmish level, which was like right now with my time availability and the amount I'm wanting to invest, skirmish right now is for is is key for me. But the more and more I look at it, it's going to be that that skirmish plus going into maybe not so much that area. So the amount that I would have to invest outside of that seventy is is going to be large to get to a full size game. And I get that they've got other modes, you know, they have other point costs that you can play, and so I, I'm not key into that you know that four by four but if mike meta is going into where everybody's playing four by four i don't have the time and investment into it then you know for me it's not worth me putting the money into it so what what i'll say to combat that argument first off you're not wrong um nothing that you said is incorrect so what i'm saying isn't combating i'm just going to try to lessen the 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 feel baddies of this um by saying it's a lot like Mon Monpok, in that when you play Monpok, you need two monsters, and you can take twenty other models. But as anybody who's played Monpok will tell you, you very, very rarely have those twenty other models on the table at a given time. Right, and right. Just this game is going to be very similar, where you can bring. 15 models and that is going to be like the tournament size right it's going to be the 15 units plus three solos you can probably have the exact same experience on the table with 10 units and a couple solos and if you and your opponent bring 10 units and a couple solos you're going to have the same models on the table just maybe not as many options while you're running the game right um but it will still feel model count engaged ways just like it would at 15 right no i mean and i get that and i i did see that uh either i think either you put that argument up on discord or i saw that in the the warcaster neo mechanica uh facebook group so i mean and i i get that standpoint and so i think it's for me it's going to be a little bit more visualizing that and seeing it um, yeah, and I, and I think what will help too is in uh, I I will be subject to this as you know everybody's gonna say uh, of course you didn't read them but I did not read the rules yet so um, yeah I think th I think it'll become more clear as we talk honestly yeah and I think I think um, getting a play test in you know with just you know taking some infinity models and going out there and, and play testing it. Um, I agree. It'll help a lot. Yeah, I think that'll I'll help. Take infinity models when you can use war machines. Just use war machine models. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I know, but I was just saying infinity because it's 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 sci-fi. That's what you've got on the table. Yeah, yeah. it's it's sci-fi, so it's it's keeping sci-fi with sci-fi. It's just I I think there's you can very easily proxy this game with war machine by using Jack solos and units. It's yep. very oh uh, yeah I I, I would assume that yeah that's probably true. Um. And and keep them visually distinct too, like right. And, it, right. It's just it is just easy to organize it. Makes sense. Um, Makes sense. Okay, so let's talk about the game a little bit, and we'll break it down in a similar way that we've been breaking down a lot of games, um, and and start by talking about the, the core mechanic. Uh, so the core mechanic of this is going. I think this is another place outside of price where so we lost half the listeners when we said it was $70 for a starter box that has a quarter of your force. And we're going to lose <laughs> another half when I say that it uses proprietary dice. Yeah. Um, but stick with me here. So it uses the dice that Privateer Press has been using already for Riot Quest 
and uh, Monster Apocalypse. And I will say that both of those games are very highly regarded by the people who play them. And not because those people are Privateer Press fanboys, but because those games are objectively good games. And a lot of that has to do with the dice mechanics. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it has to do with the dice mechanics. Monster Apocalypse is a very good game. Um, and I think, if, unless I'm wrong, that was one of Matt's games, right? The Privateer Press founder. And again, proprietary dice uh, back when it first launched. Now, how these dice work is there are multiple colors. And the colors have, the, the, the symbols are one of two. Well, three. It's blank, so there's nothing on it. It has a single what's called strike marker, which is just like a burst marker, or two strikes. All of the dice have a single two strike. That is the same across every dice. So every dice has a critical hit, which is two strikes. And then there are more single strike results uh, on red than there are on blue than there are on white, right? So white has two strikes. Blue has three strikes. And red have four strikes. Right. So the red ones only have one miss. One miss. Yes. And so how these games typically work is you have a stat that allows you to roll a number of dice. And then you just count up the amount of successes that you have. One success for a single, two success for a super strike. Right. And if you are familiar with War Machine, it is still listed as Matt and Rat. Yep. Matt and Rat. Right. So Matt and Rat meaning melee attack and ranged attack. Right. And so here, instead of instead of rat 17, meaning you have 17 and you add 2d6, I don't know if they actually get that high in War Machine. I just totally pulled a number out of thin air. If, you, if you're Matt 9, you're doing pretty damn good. Okay, Matt 9. So you're Matt 9 and you add 2d6, right? Like that. that's the way War Machine works. In this game, if you are Matt 5, that means you pick up five white dice and roll them. And then you count the number of strike symbols. And remember that the strike symbols are on a, it's basically a four plus. Right. So, and one of them is two hits. So if you roll six, you're just above three successes on the average. Yep. So the math is still not hard to calculate. It's just different. Uh, and again, these dice and the way that they're able to change the outcome uh, by just changing the color, they're able to change the probabilities makes a huge difference for a lot of reasons. It'll become obvious in a second. So that that's the main thing. So this game has opposed roles a la infinity. Uh, well, like not opposed, right? Because you're not actually shooting at each other, but it's more like you roll offense the same time your opponent rolls defense. Yeah, it's like it's like you're doing your your. A defensive and an offensive role just at the same time and you're comparing them. Mm-hmm. Yep. And now in this game, uh, how that basically in the in the simplest example, me shooting at you with no power ups on either side, I roll a number of white dice equal to my power or not my power. Sorry, my rat or mat. Yep. And you roll a number of white dice equal to your defense. Yep. If I do more, I hit you. Yep. That's it. Done. If I do more, I hit you. Super simple. And then. Super simple. And then if I hit you, I roll a number of white dice equal to my power plus a number of red dice equal to the difference. And that sounds confusing. So I'll break it down into an example. So let's say you roll four successes on defense and I roll five successes on offense. I have successfully hit you. My Mm -hmm. power is four. 
So I gather four dice and I beat you by one. So I gather one red dice. Right. If my if I had had six successes, I would pick up two red dice. Yep. So then I roll that and I look for a number of strikes and I compare that to your armor value or arm. And for every multiple of your arm, I do one damage. So if your arm two and I have six strikes, I do three damage. Okay, that's Super. the first one that's a little more complicated. But okay, and it's makes it's sense. actually it's actually not that it's not that complicated and it keeps and because everything in this game is like one or two wounds, it keeps it from being disgustingly deadly. Right, right, right. right. No, yeah, yeah. Um and if anybody who's played uh Riot Quest is immediately familiar with how this works. Um cuz that's similar to how damage is done in Riot Quest as well. Yeah, I mean, real realistically, if you are familiar with Riot Quest, Monpok, and War Machine, you've played this game. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty close. It, yeah, it's it's, just... it's it's a good. I think it's a a good um mixture of I think all three of their games. Yep, it is, and it it sounds like a lot, but honestly, in practice, it's not hard. Like it's very you. You roll with your opponent. If you roll more, you roll the dice again, and then you count up how many times you equal their defense on that second roll, and that's how much damage you do, and it's done. It's super fast right. and super easy. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's that makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and since and the dice are, rolls are going at the exact same time too, it keeps things quick and fast. fast. It's fast. Yep. And there are bonuses too. Like there are ways the uh, person on offense can roll extra red dice, and there are. There is a cover mechanic that allows the defender to roll two extra red dice while they're defending too. So right. there, there, you know, there are things we provided a simple example, but that's the core mechanic. Very, yep. very easy. And that's the way it works. So now let's get over activation style. Yes. Cause this is, this is very interesting in how it's laid out. It's super interesting. So this is a, uh, this is not an, I go, you get go game, which is very different than almost any of privateers games. Yep. Um, this is an alternating activation game, but it's with a twist, yeah, big twist. Yep. And it's if you've never, if even if you play alternating activations games, you're going to go what as I describe this. Yep. So around in Warcaster is not every model on the table activating, right? Uh, <laughs> yep. Because not every model on the table that 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 would be insane because of the way that you summon you summon models in this game constantly out of gates that you push put onto the board uh, right. and because you're summoning from gates you the way that they prevent you from having activation example or, or advantage by just spamming the board with units is by what's called the pulse round so a pulse round is a number of activations per player so let's just say that a pulse round is made up of five turns that means each player gets five activations in the pulse round well, let's not say, let's not just pretend that it's five. It is five. It is five. Right. <laughs> right. It's five. Sorry. It's five. So each player gets five activations. And you might be saying, Kevin, a minute ago, Chris was complaining about how he had 15 units. Why would there only be five in a pulse round in a game round? And there's only three pulse rounds typically in a game. And that's because you actually get to activate two units per pulse round. You pick one unit and get to activate it, and then you also get to activate a solo. Right. So on each of your turns, your alternating activations, you get to move and shoot with two models. 
which they've actually done this type of turn setup previously when they tried to do a apocalypse type war machine. Gotcha. Functioned very um, similarly. Like you could activate a warcaster and like two other units. It's actually really cool the way this works because the way that a round breaks down is first you allocate arc and we'll get to arc all on its own because arc is the main resource of this game and it's really arc is this game. This game doesn't work without it and it provides all of the crazy wacky awesomeness. Yeah, it's arc is arc is to warcaster what the playbook is to guild ball. It is quintessential to this game. You but, could say we will focus on this later. Oh, good God damn Lord. it, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to get furious with you, Paul. Oh, Jesus. Um, uh, so, the puns. So, oh, I only have a threshold so, for these jokes. Uh, they're so bad. We deserve <laughs> nothing good to happen to us for those jokes. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, the way that the pulse round break or uh, an activation breaks down is you allocate arc. You get to allocate one arc to one model, and we'll talk about the different things you can use arc for. Um, then I believe you get to um, uh, play a card, and these cards are played out of your deck. Um, then you get to activate your your models, and then you get to play another card. And then this is where it gets really spicy because you get to put oh no you you summon first right so you summon no summons summons like part way down got it all right so here it is it's so here's the here's how a pulse round the way that a pulse round breaks down is you have your ready phase so the first thing you do is you look to find out if all your units have activation tokens if that's not true you start going and if it is true you remove all of the activation tokens it's, you clear them so what that means is you have to activate all your models before you can activate one twice. Right. This, or, it has that, to, or, or it goes through a pulse round. That, that is somewhat arena rexy. Yep. But it's also, it's very good. All right. So now you charge a unit with arc. Then you get to play a cypher card, which is another one of the resources you manage. It's a deck of cards that are spells that you can cast. Then you activate. So you activate your unit and then your solo. Then you play another Cypher card, and then you go into your deployment phase. So in your deployment phase, you can recall units from your Void Gates, and you can place Void Gates. So Gates are, you have to place them with five, within five inches of a unit. Uh, and then there are rules for how the models actually come out of the Gates. And you can basically, when you place a Gate, you can put up to five arc next to the Gate, and then every model in the game has an arc cost. So during this phase, as long as you have a gate with arc on it, you can spend that arc to spawn more models onto the board. And if it's your turn and you can attack your, your opponent's gates, and when you do damage to the gates, each damage removes arc and then thus reduces their ability to summon from a gate mm -hmm. they have. And if it has no arc on it, the gate collapses. Yep. Um, so, and, and a, a thing to note now is that you only ever have seven arc in your pool. So, and that's not to say that you, you only have seven arc to spend. It just means that there are only seven arc in existence on the board, wherever you have it. And whenever it gets spent, it comes back to you to reallocate. Right. 
Um, and then you can discard one cipher card and then refill your cipher card. And after you do that, your opponent goes and you go back and forth like that five times. And that's a pulse round. And then pulse rounds are the amount of time that effects last in the game. The amount of time that your cipher, your cipher cards that you play ex- last. It's also typically when you score. So that's why the pulse rounds are being. So if you're keeping score right here, that that this is the reason why you don't activate all your models, because models are going to be coming out on your turn to be activated during your next turn. And also you are having to spend and put activation tokens on models. Right. So it would be very hard to keep track of have all the models on the table activated. If not impossible. Mm -hmm. So the pulse round is what keeps that in check. And then the activation tokens are what keep you from being able to repeat activate the same models over and over again. So again, alternating activation, but with a big twist. Now, the pulse... definitely a fun way to do it. Yeah, and the pulse rounds, correct me if I'm wrong, they can be different depending on the scenarios that you're playing they can be shorter and i think the max is five because but i think there's they're generally five but i think there yeah. are some in there that are three or three it's no it's not, so they're you, you uh, a standard pulse round is five turns unless it mentions to you that it is less specifically and right now of the models in the rule book only the skirmish mission has pulse rounds that are shorter than three three activations gotcha so it's typically five activate. It's typically fifteen activations, right, in a game because there's five. There's basically five activations in a pulse round and three pulse rounds. Yep, and which which is kind of interesting because in the long run, through tournament packets or anything like that, it allows them to play with that a little bit. It does. It can say like in the first round, the first pulse round it's three, the second pulse round it's four, and the third pulse round it's five. Or yeah. it can go the other way to make it even spicier, right? right? Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a lot of neat stuff they can do with that. I yeah, think. they can get really creative. It's that it opens up an amazing amount of design space for scenarios. This pulse round thing, and I think it's very neat. So, I mean, how, so how are you guys feeling about the pulse rounds right now? Is that you, like I? I think it's one of the bigger active, bigger innovations in this game. But. Yeah, I think it, I think it's great, honestly. Uh, you know, comparing it to Arena Rex, uh, which I always liked the way their activations functioned. Except that, that having all your models activated is a lot more punitive. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> a so, clear, a you know, it doesn't give you it doesn't give you the option to adjust them on the fly. Yeah, uh, quite like Arena Rex does. But it's it's very interesting. I really like the way it's it's set out. Um, you know, because. If you're in a situation where you're like, oh, I'm almost out of guys, but I don't want to do an all clear, you can then summon something and then you have something that isn't activated that you can activate. Yeah. So there's there's some dynamics to that as well. Yeah, I mean, it took a it took a bit for me to kind of get wrap my head around it when we were, when they were doing the live stream. But I think once once I watched it and rewatched the the live stream a few times, it. And, and was able to get a grasp of like, okay, this is how it works. And I, I like it. It, it. Like Paul saying, it's bringing an extra dynamic to the game, um, you know, that you don't typically see in in, in games. Uh, these this the strategy <laughs> uh, that you can do with it with with trying to figure out where to put your gates, when to summon them within those pulse rounds, and figure out what to how to to do it. it there's a, there's a strategic level there too that that adds to it with you. Every round's going to be potentially a different length in, in what you do. I, I like it. 
Yeah, and I'll, cool. and I'll tell you what, from playing uh, some Monpok, it makes it it makes for very interesting decision making when you can look at the pool of models that you have and what you need to accomplish on the board and start thinking about how the models you have yet to deploy can help you. Right. Yeah, and and then also have to think about how you can get them onto the board because you have to put a void gate down, you have to put enough arc on it to summon the models you need to get in place, and then you have to defend that gate in such a way that your opponent can't prevent you from getting those models out. Right, All and even strategically where alive. you're going to place the gate. To While you only have seven out. arc to allocate over a 48-inch by 48-inch mat, it's insane how much management you have to do. And then also... It, it just... Playing the scenario, right, and playing the scenario. It's and 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 Potter. I don't know if you re- looked at it this far. There are rules for secondary objectives. Yes, there are secondary objectives. Yep, no, yeah. I did not so see th- that. It's so yep. funny. There was a the best meme I saw so far for this game was a person that was like, when I first saw Warcaster, and it was like a gif of somebody blowing raspberries, mm-hmm. and then when I play tested Warcaster, and it's like the Dave Chappelle. Uh, crackhead gif. It's like y'all got any more of that Warcaster? Nice. <laughs> like, because that. I mean, it really. And I'm, you know, as I like play it in my head, it's just a fascinating game for all those reasons that we just mentioned. Yep. Yeah. No. I mean, it's. Uh, I'm super on board with that. I think Arc is great. Um, and and just so being. Let's, being let's able talk to about Arc. Yeah, let's let's talk about Ark. Yeah, so let's focus on that. In this game, you are the Warcaster, and I say that because that's like the tagline for the game. Yes, um, but so that differs from Hordes and uh, War Machine for people who don't play them. In that those games, the Warcaster or Warlock is actually represented by a model on the board, and if that model dies, the game's over and you lose. Yep. Like that's a victory condition. In this game, no caster. The, kill. the whole gimmick. Yeah, there's no caster kill in this game. You are the war caster. So essentially, the only way to get an assassination is if uh, your opponent has a heart attack during the game. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, or like punches you in the face. Or yeah, or like, you know, you, you pull a Glock out. You know, all right, gotcha. <laughs> caster yeah, so, kill. So don't die while playing <laughs> well, boy, or else you're The caster kill wins. memes in this game are real dark. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> These belong in the scorn thread. Oh, anyway, anyway. <laughs> so the reason that we're saying this though is that if you've never played those games uh we'll just use war machine as an example because it's easier in war machine your war caster is allocated an amount of a resource called focus at the beginning of a turn and then that war caster can allocate that focus out mm-hmm. to his jacks and or his or her or her jacks uh, and in this game, there isn't fury or focus. There is arc. Uh, and it's similar, but very different to focus. Um, mm-hmm. But similar in that you al- you have seven allocated to yourself as a player. And there are always seven in play. Um, so you can, you, there, there isn't a, there, right now a way to have more than seven. Are you, are you sure? Because didn't you say uh, when you put out an arc gate, uh, you get... To put five on it? No. Or did I read that? You, you can put five from your arc well on a gate. Right. Oh, there it is. You may charge it with up to five. Okay, cool. Yeah. I read it so wrong you, when I looked you at it So you use earlier. your arc well to charge a void gate. Correct, correct. 
And you remember at the beginning of a turn, you can also put arc onto a model. And you'll, you may also remember if you've been listening that, uh, arc on a model that is firing for every arc they have on them they get an additional red dice which is a two plus two hit dice when Mm -hmm. they have it so while precious arc is it gives you a significant advantage in combat to put it on a model and there is another thing that models with allocated arc can do that's fascinating but don't worry and think that if you put arc out on a unit your opponent might go well i'm just gonna fuck off and ignore that thing somewhere and his arc is going to be stuck on it because there's other things and ways you can clear arc but um, you can recall it that's i think that's the coolest one yep you can recall arc so you can pull it off and you can also spike arc from units and we'll talk about that in a minute but i want to stick to the seven thing because remember this is a 48 inch board there are scenarios with many objectives i think like six eight like things that have to get done everywhere Uh mm-hmm you have to put arc out on a gate and it has to last through an entire opponent's turn before you can summon onto it. And you can only allocate arc from the arc that's in your well. And you might have more than one gate on the board. Yeah, I think you can have two max, right? Yeah. So this situation of having seven arc is it a an exercise in extreme resource management. It is resource management to the nth degree. You have to be super careful with how you manage it. Um, And I think that's part of what's going to make this game um, very appealing to war machine players that are used to a game that requires some amount of precision to play because where you're losing some of the precision and positioning that you have in war machine, you're making up for it in resource management and uh, scenario play here. Mm-hmm. so let's talk about some of the things you can do with arc that we didn't yeah. talk about already and mainly it's that you can spike arc also it's important to think about a war machine or the war jacks because the war jacks beef up and beef up and beef up the more arc you put on them up to three um and each war jack is different they have like different levels of how dope they get as you allocate your arc onto them but also remember that a war jack the Warjacks typically have higher uh, rat and mat than your standard units. And if they have three, that means they have their higher rat and mat and also three red dice on their attacks. Right. So jacks can become devastating in this game. As they um, should be. As they should be. But the thing we haven't talked about is spiking arc, which again is another thing that is amazing in this game. So again, you can allocate one per turn. So typically you're gonna you're going to allocate that arc to one of the two models you plan on activating, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of well, not all of the models, but most of the models in the game have an ability that was called spike arc. And you spike arc by spending it back into your well for an effect. So I'm just going to pick on the Hunter, which is the Marcher Worlds solo that comes in the starter box. And so this model, it starts with a rat of six, which is very high. If you've looked at the the average stat in this game is four. So six is very high. Um, and I mean the average for all. If you look at rat, mat, and death, the average is four. And then it goes up and down from there. Three, two, five, six, right? Right. So six is on the higher end of ranged. And this model has a thing that says when attacking with this weapon before making the damage roll. So again, this is after the hit roll. So if you have a, if you have arc on it, you get your six rat plus your red dice. Oh, wow. 
to hit something. And then after you hit it, you can spike it before the damage roll to cause to cause the defender to lose one arm. Oh, jeez. So they're losing right. a whole die. So they're, they're, no, 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 no. They're not losing a whole die. You're making the multiple. Oh, they're already. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so if, if you there take are the, two, if you, then you're hitting on one. It, it, well, if the, it's more, the, the really good example is if they have armor three, where every three. So if you rolled six, six on your damage roll, instead of doing two damage, you're doing three. Right. 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 Because where you would need three symbols to do one damage. Now you only need two. Right. It, and yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of what I was getting at. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. One to two, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's incredible. Yep. Um, Yep. And a lot, I mean, most units have an ability to spike arc. So you're going to have a thing that you can do to spend arc that you have allocated to do something insane to somebody. Some units, though, Kevin, can only activate if they spike. Like spiking is activating. Well, there you go. There's and and, th- and again, that's the design space, yep. right? Right. Yep. Which means so, you could have a a you can make a super elite trooper, and the reason that they're uh, you can only activate if they spike. Yep. So you now have to have focus available. You can't have all seven out on the board if you're going to activate that unit, and you have to spike the arc that you put on them before you do anything to even move them. Which is great. So here's another one, right? So another another thing, the Dusk Wolf, which is the warjack for the Marcher Worlds, they can spark to basically move the model three inches. Yeah, because it's got mm. a jetpack on it, right? Right. Yep. Yeah, I saw so, I saw that in their live stream when the Kickstarter went live. That's int- that's a so cool that, mechanic. Yeah, very cool mechanic, and and they can do all sorts of stuff with this arc spiking. Yeah, the, yeah that's, a, think, that's a huge lever. Yeah, that's that's a that's a massive open sandbox that they've given themselves to play in. It's very cool. Yep, very 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 cool. All right, so that's arc. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about regard with regards to arc uh, other than the it's very only cool? thing I want to clarify is if you weren't pay, weren't paying attention, uh, Chops just kept saying units, units, units. You can put arc on. Other th- on living models outside of Warjacks. It's not just a Warjack oh, mechanic yeah, only, yeah. like it is in War Machine. That oh, is right, right, point. right. Yeah, yep. You can put it on. Well, a unit in this game, right, is it, like a solo is a unit, a Warjack is a unit, uh, and a, a squad is a unit. Right. I mean, I think the only yep, thing you. Very true. I mean, I no. I think you could put them on Weavers too. And Weavers. Well, would we? Yeah. Well, we. Yes. yes. They're a solo, right? Yeah. They're yeah, yes. They're, they're a solo. solo. So yeah, so right. pretty much everything can be arced, I believe. Everything can be arced. Yeah, yeah, you can allocate arc to anything. And then almost everything has the ability to spike arc. Right. Which, well, is, arc, which is a good point if you're a War Machine arc. player because... You could uh, only allocate focus to jacks. Right. Yep. Now you're now with this one, you're beefing everybody. So you, get, so you still have your synergies if you're used to War Machine and Hordes where you can make your, your units very ungodly there for a turn with a caster spell or something. You can do it in this game with arc. Right. Yep. So another thing we talked about was cipher cards. Yep. Speaking uh, and of cipher cards spells. are what are what's in called it's called your rack. So you're a warcaster. You are uh, in you are hooked into an uplink essentially on a ship above the planet, looking down at the battlefield essentially in like a VR sort of way. And the rack is supposed to 
simulate the console that's in front of you. And so the the the, the rack and your arc are how you, as the warcaster, sort of extend your will onto the battlefield. And during your turn, you're going to ha- have a hand of these cipher cards, and there's four different kinds of them. Really, what's important to know, though, of these four different kinds is that one of them is direct attacks that can only be put through your your weavers. And so that's why weavers are such important units and why we've mentioned them specifically among all the different solos, is that only weavers can push the direct damage attack spells through them. They're your arc Mm -hmm. nodes. Arc nodes, exactly. So you have to have a weaver down to cast the attack attack ciphers. The other three types of ciphers are all buff ciphers. And there's one type that is unit specific. So it, it, those are universal, right? Because they can, you target a unit. And then there are two other types that target squads or jacks exclusively. And you're going to be drawing these cards and then using them to cast the spells. So your fury spells are the ones that you cast through your weavers and they're, you know, fireballs and lightning and all that stuff. And they do specific damage through. And then the other things are stuff like impulse inducer, which target friendly warjack, remove activation token from warjack. Hey, yo, you get to go again. (laughs) You get to go again. And now you get to double activate with that one. So these are, so you build this deck at the beginning of the thing. Uh, and it, I, it looks like you get 24 cards and I believe it's 18 is the deck. I can't remember exactly. You can might be 16, me, 16. You, so you don't get all your cards. And once you're through your cards, you reshuffle your discard pile and you start drawing again. But the, the key is one of the things that you get to customize in this game outside of the, the 15 units that you bring is the rack that you bring. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the play test cards are one thing, but my understanding is that the rack is going to be different for each faction. So the, the play test rack is the same 24 cards for all three factions. But my understanding is that the release game, each faction will have a separate rack. Makes sense. Which is really cool because, you know, that it, gives it, them flavor. Yeah. It's, it's build your own warcaster. Yes, exactly. Which I love. Okay. So. That's the rack, essentially. We don't have to go over it very much, right? You get to spend a card before you activate and after you activate, which is a lot like Warhammer Underworlds, if you've ever played it. You get mm-hmm. to play your card, your plot cards before and after yep. your activation. Um, so that's that. Now, there's a, a, we're going to talk about one more core thing and then just hit on some stuff that we want to talk about outside of that. So the other main thing to talk about is the missions for this game. And this is where we're going to put all these mechanics together as we talk about one specific mission. And the mission I want to talk about is Orders of Magnitude. Um, Chris, do you know anything about this mission I don't, when I say Orders of Magnitude? I don't think so because I don't. I, the only ones that I have any kind of relevance with is what they played in the live stream. And I don't believe that's what they played. Perfect. Okay, so... The thing you need to know about this game is the objective tokens that come in this game are numbered and you get two sets of them. So if, you know, if there, I I don't know what the total number is, but if there are four, you get two sets of one, two, three, four. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. All right. So here's how orders of magnitude works. It's It's on a 48 by 48 and you set up six of them in a circle and it, it, it's, uh, well, it's like uh, the points of a hexagon, Right. Okay. Around the 48 inch map. And the ones are across from each other. The twos are across from each other. And the threes are across from each other. 
Do you have that picture in your head? Okay. So at the beginning, and those are called, they're called arc geysers. So you have six arc geysers, two ones, two twos, two threes, and they're directly across from each other on the battlefield. Okay. Now, at the start of each round, you roll a D3, and those, whatever number that comes up, one, two, or three, those two arc geysers become active. So if you roll a three, the two threes are the three active geysers for that pulse round. And those are the ones you are going to have to score on. Well, all of them score one point, but the active arc geysers score three points each. Okay. If you control them. Gotcha. And at the end of the third pulse round, the player with the most victory points wins. Now, let's think about that because it's a 48-inch table, and these things are, uh, I, I want to say, like, ten. In- they're each 10 inches off of an edge. Yep. If you really look at it, right? So 10 inches forward of the rear edge of each player's side of the table. Yep. So it's they're very far apart from each other. Um and what that means is you have to be wily as hell with where you're putting your void gates right. um, to be able to always be at those three scoring. And also remember that those three scoring ones are going to be slaughter fests for that pulse round. So it might be helpful to, you know, keep and, and you, you might also, you know, depending on how you had your bets, you might want to put guys in the hope that you'll have people planted like you want might want to keep a couple people at one and two because that gives you, you know, pretty good odds that are, you know, if a one or a two gets rolled, that they'll be at the beginning of the pulse round there to start defending it and bringing in reinforcements. Right. And it, it forces you to be hyper mobile, but also not ignore any section of the table. It's crazy how cool it is that they've been able to take this game where you're teleporting models onto the board and then have to be everywhere, right? Like, how do you, like, one of the things I looked at when I first started thinking about this game was how are they going to balance this fact that you can, like, put a teleporter down and bring guys on? But this is it, right? Um, it's fascinating. I, I've been talking a lot. I don't know how you guys feel about this mission now that I described it, but it I feel like this is one of those evergreen missions. You could just play it over and over and over again and it would never be the same. Yeah. Here's what here's what I'm gonna say about this mission, Kevin, is that when I watched the first live stream, I was like, okay, this is a pretty cool game. And then they described that mission and I said, Yes, that is fantastic. That is a fantastic yeah. scenario and it it got me so excited. So excited so this, because of the this, dynamics of it. And the fact that it this, that it's not only like not only uh with the way with the way everything's laid out, uh, you know, it's not like, oh, that's only gonna pop on my side of the table or it's only gonna pop on your side of the table. I'll never get there. It pops on both sides of the table. Right. Exactly. If I mean if I can make a StarCraft reference, this is the big game hunters of wargaming. Like this mission as I read through it and thought about it, I, my my brain was just exploding with the potential of this mission. It is like I, I read all the rules and I was like, you know what? This is a cool game. And then I read this mission and was like, I'm fucking in mm-hmm. like yep. you only need this mission, honestly. And and then on top of that, there are secondary objectives. <laughs> right. Like that's going to be the other thing, too. Like, OK, yeah, you were talking about where, OK, I'm going to keep this here to hedge my bets. You know, potentially this is going to roll next time. I'll move this over here. But then 
how is it going to put you in a place where whatever these secondary objectives are, do, do, you, do you go for the secondaries? Do you not like it? Yeah, there's a do lot. You, do you defend against what your opponent's secondary is? Because most of the secondaries can be scored more than once. So after you see their secondary, now you're trying to score the primary and and your secondary and and also deny your opponent's primary and secondary. That's that's crazy. Um, it's hurting my brain thinking about it. That's that's what I'm it's that gif. It's that like Tim and Eric gif, like mind exploding, dude. I oh, I I just I cannot stress enough how amazing this mission is. But now I want to talk about the other one, Strange Matter, because Strange Matter is also dope as fuck. All right, so Strange Matter. There are four objectives that are each 16 inches off the corner of the 48-inch map, right? So you've got four of them. One, two, three, four. One exactly 16 inches off the corner. So if you measure out from the corner toward the middle 16 inches, that's where the four of them go. And those are all labeled as one, right? And then in the middle of the, the table, there are three two objectives. Now, you can pick up the two objectives and take them back to the one objectives. And if you do that, those are worth more points than just scoring the one objectives. Okay. So, so you're rushing to the middle of the board and then trying to pull those back to the permanent objectives and score them and also keep your opponent from doing the same thing. And again, there's only three of them. So there's none of this objective camping because there are three. So one person is always the guy that doesn't have two of them, or there's one that you're fighting over. Right. Um, so it keeps the game super engaging for all the models that are out on the table. Yep. I feel like it, it, it fixes, uh, what some, what you don't are. like about MCP. Yeah. Yep. It, yep. It Even though it's the same type of setup with a take and hold and a, and a, and a run with it one, the, the it, way that pulse rounds work and the way in. that in right exactly mm -hmm. it fu it functions in because of the fact that you can always be bringing models back in and then activating those models and you aren't forced to activate every model in a pulse round yep yep your guy that's sitting in the back you might not need him to go so you, you might not need him to do him anything so it doesn't feel bad that he's sitting back it's got there. that infinity yep. level of options there it does yep. Yep. And and so these those two missions are the, and there's going to be more, right? This is the the work in progress rule book, but like just the, those two models are I, I it's are those two missions. It's funny cuz I've complained about some games I look and I'm like this book only has 5 missions. Bleh, boring. They needed more variety. These two missions are like Guild Ball, right? Mm -hmm. They are so good all They're by themselves. Replayable. They're super replayable and you have the secondary objectives again. And with the secondary objectives, think about the steamroller system for this game, where when you get the steamroller, you have new missions plus a whole new deck of secondaries. Right. The get the fuck out of here. I mean, and, and we, we've <laughs> all, we've all talked about the fact that like where we like games where we feel like even if we can set up the same missions you know, time in and time out where it feels like we're playing a different game every single time. It's not the same thing over and over and over again. And and that definitely has the feel of like, you, you're going to have a different experience every single time you're playing that mission, no matter what happens. For sure. 
for sure. Right. And part of that is because you can't, you can't always deploy the same way. You know, it's not like War Machine where you can be like, all right, here's my opening gambit because I'm setting up here, I'm setting up this, I'm setting up that, and I'm going to move these guys first and, and all that. You, you don't have that opportunity because of how you can set up gates. Right. It's, 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 it's somewhat similar to the patrol phase of Chain of Command. Yeah, a little bit, actually. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, th- this game has the juice, man. It's good. Like, it is well-designed. Yeah, I, th- I mean, the more, the more I read into it, the more uh, good it becomes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a good way to say it, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, it's just, I always good. find something new... It feels like if you if you're talking about getting in on a game at the ground level, this is like the best game to get in on the ground level. And I don't think I'm going to go. I'm not going to go like three hundred dollars deep in on it. I just I a I can't um, mm-hmm. because, I, I you know, I have too many games that I'm playing right now. I have a feeling this game is going to become a regular rotation game. It just I have that it's giving me like the same feelings that I had with Marvel Crisis Protocol and I haven't even played it Um and Marvel Crisis Protocol, I've been playing every week for six months now, or five months, or however long. And this game just gives me that same, like, good feeling. Um, but uh, I don't know where I was going. Never mind. I totally trailed off. I, I, I'm just very excited. I think it's got everything we need. And I'm just going to go in, and I'm going to buy eight units worth, and just play smaller games. Until more variety of units comes out. Yeah, see, that's my thing at this point, and that's why I wish that there was uh, kind of a, a straight-up option to be able to get, um, you know, the starter and then the bonus stuff, uh, just because I, I don't like jumping in in a game early and, you know, doubling up on units because there's only so much available. Kind of like and how we had to do with Star Wars Legion when it first launched. Yeah, right. which, and that's which again, why I, I, didn't, I didn't necessarily do, and I think that that was a benefit because... Now I'm not stuck with, you know, six rebel troopers or whatever. Right, you're not like me, the moron that's got got amounts of stormtroopers. Right, which is right. why I'm gonna buy two of each. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy two. Right. I think right. that's which the level reasonable. I'm gonna go in at. And that's where I'm gonna stay until more options come out. Yeah, I think that's the, the, the good option there is to is to do that somewhat cautiously. And you're already your your area is already kind of uh, developing a, a scene for it. Eleven players already, yeah. Yeah, that's good. I don't know what the I don't I don't know if there's rumblings here. Yeah, and see that's where I think we're I mean as as we talked, I mean, you, Chops, you've done your job. Um you're you're hyping me up. You're making me want to go and spend $70 right now. Um but my issue that I have is our area. Uh War Machine died very quickly, very fast um in this area. There doesn't seem to be any people that are that I've heard wanting to play. So it's like, I don't want to sit here and buy a game and then there'd be no support for it locally. I totally get it. You, th- you should be playing the game that your friends are playing. Right. And and, yep. that, and that's the concern for me because as much as I, as much as I, I like the game, I, I loved what I saw. I mean, because my only concern really, what, you know, it was the price point. And that's just because I'm a poor asshole. So, I mean, that that was that's my only concern uh, going into it. It was never gameplay. It was never mechanics. It was never anything like that. I, I want this game to work. I want this game to be played. I'm just concerned in our area it's not. Because th- there's been a few times to try and revive War Machine in this area. And, and, it, and though there are people playing it, it's just not a large group. 
Yeah, right. it, I mean, I mean, what it comes down to is it's very niche. Well, no, what it comes down to is that they killed the press gang program, so there's nobody willing to to pick it up and and lead. Well, and also they sort of fumbled the launch of third edition too, and everybody jumped to a different game that they now love, right? Right. So. Uh, and the way that the way that human beings work is like we close a book and we don't go back to read it for a long time, right? Yeah. Um, so once they moved past War Machine and went to a different system, they're not really eager to go back, right? Um, even though, like, and for me, I'm really lucky because pe- you know people might know the Crippled System podcast. Like, I live in the place where that podcast is made, uh, and the Crippled System meta is m- the War Machine meta that I live in. Um, so the player base is strong and also very welcoming. They're the, not the toxic war machine community. Like uh, one of the, the, the person who I uh, have talked to the most about a song of ice and fire is one of the like bigger war machine players in the area. And one of the nicest people that I've ever had the pleasure of playing a game with. So that like I think that speaks to why the War Machine community has lasted in my area, uh, and also why the instant meta for this game is as big as it is. Yeah, see, that's good. I I just don't think we have that, or if we do, yeah. I'm not wherever it's happening. Yeah, uh, I get it. And I just don't uh, see a lot. Of, I just don't see a store where it's happening because I mean, one of our biggest store in the area wholesale got rid of all their War Machine products. They don't carry it anymore. Yeah, they they liquidated it at the end of the text year, and that's it's it's unfortunate, right? Because this game won't grow without the support of local game stores. Yeah, yep. I mean that. Yeah, so I'm uh, sure they're going to be very hesitant to to invest in it. And I don't yeah. know. I, I'd imagine the other big store in the area would prob would would maybe have something. Yeah, I mean the one uh, in Durham, the one in Durham will probably carry it. Uh, I would say. The two in the Raleigh carry area where we're at, I do not see them carrying it. No, I no, not at all. Because not with the one, not with the one that still has stock. That's all you know, been sitting there for. I mean, some years. Of, literally some of it's still second edition products. Yeah, yeah, some of it still says "Ask us for the Mark III cards." Um, and then the other one completely liquidated their their stock, and it was not a small amount of stuff. No, it was not. Felt like comfortable liquidating but now we've we've gone way off the rails yeah sorry it's all right and you know the only uh, before we before we get back on track uh i want to stay off the rails for one second um i'm i'm curious like in areas that do have strong war machine communities how this is gonna go how this is gonna so uh, anecdotally in my meta it's like three-fourths instant adoption right yeah because i know i know from from you know i listen to chain attack every week and i know that there's they they talked about some grumbling of people who are you know doom and gloom war machiners who are going to say that this is the end of war machine because there's like two months where there actually are not war machine releases and that's a good thing that is a great thing for war machine yeah that is they they have so much product bloat this is a them slowing down. Well, not, putting... not only that, but it gives them actually time to to play with the stuff that's out and actually settle on a meta because the meta's been so fluid with with CIDs. I feel like this is a chance to kind of give everybody some room to breathe. Yeah, 
But anyway, so that's that's something that I'm going to be very interesting interested in watching and seeing what happens with it. Yeah, I'm interested in watching and seeing what happens with the War Machine meta too, um, and how what what like how pe- people uh, start to adopt to this because our our meta is already planning on. They're like the War Machine players are like, so this isn't going to eat into our War Machine time, is it? Because like. Uh, as an example, and I don't know this guy, right? Like personally, but I know Dan Wasmer is in my meta, and I know he is like a top ten uh, U.S. player. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah, also, I've heard I've heard him spoken of before. He is also very and, interested in playing Warcaster, but is also like I don't want this to eat into my tournament prep for War Machine because he's a nationally ranked, really good War Machine player. Um, so it is an interesting thing, right? Because the people who are really into this are the PP, the privateer press faithful. Right. And those people want to play War Machine. So Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of that challenge that Weird has had with the other side. The other side. But this is a much smaller game, right? This is them moving the other way. Um a game that doesn't require as many minis. I I do really wish it required a few less, but that's okay. And uh yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm. This is going to be fascinating to revisit in a couple months. It is, and, and just there see are, what's going on. Yeah, there are other things I wanted to talk about, but I think this episode is about as long as we want it to be. <laughs> and then, uh, so I just looked at the time. <laughs> yeah. Um. It, it, suffice to say, there's lots of other things that we did. Like, there's a lot of rules depth that we didn't talk about. Like in in that the fact that when you bring in a warjack, your warjack has hard points on it, and you can freely customize it because the mm-hmm. the, Ar- the the warjack has an arc cost regardless of the combination of weapons and cortex that you put on it. Like it'll have a shoulder mount point and two arm mount points and a brain mount point, and you get to customize that however you want to the scenario when you bring it in. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's, it's and it's really the same. Cool. Yeah, it's very cool. And they have taken uh, magnetization in mind when they've built these kits. Yes. Yeah. The kits are made so that you can magnetize all the arms and cortex and shoulder options so that you look at the mission, you look at what you want to bring, and then you load the jack out for however you want it to play, which is, I think, right. amazing. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and it also gives them the option to do things like um, release weapon packs for jacks. Oh, I didn't even ever yeah. thought about that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, real cool. Anyway, so that's that's that. My final thoughts are: I'm excited. I already, you know, basically let on that I'm probably going to be 130 dollars into this game no matter what. Um, yep. But that's me. That's my final thought. This game, I think, honestly, dear listener, this game is worth your time and consideration. Please, please, just go download the rule book and read it. Uh, and on the rulebook page, you can freely print the all the cards for all the units and all the cipher cards. And you can playtest this game with the models you already have. So if you want to give it a shot, please do it. Um, I think that anybody who's listening to this show would be interested in this game. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's my final thought. Uh, my final thought is that I really hope a scene grows here because I would really like to play regularly, but I'm but I'm, I'm, so, I'm, I'm somewhere in between you two. Like I'm I'm comfortable plopping down seventy bucks to to get models to start playing, um, but I still really want other people to lead the way because I'm not a good lead the wayer. 
I'm already leading the way on one game. And honestly, I think if I hadn't seen that my local meta was already like popping and we were coordinating an 18 starter box order from our FLGS, I wouldn't have been as eager to get in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you, if you can, if you can swing it, man, I think this game's got, it's got that special thing. Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I just, go ahead. Go I mean, I think, sorry. I think I said my, my, I think my final thoughts are echoed in what I said earlier about the meta um, here. So, I mean, I, I again, I, I, I like privateer press. I want them to succeed. I want this to be a thing. Uh, so I'm with, with Paul, but I'm just not as eager as, as he is to just throw the money down without seeing the scene. All right. All right. When do you guys want to call us out here? Go ahead, Chris. All right. Uh, thank you to Static as a City uh, for the awesome intro and outro music that you hear before and after every each episode. And then also thank you to our patrons. You guys are wonderful. This is why we do these things. Uh, so if you'd like to be a patron, please go out there and look for us and support us. We're on social media at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, so we're three men uh, with the number three. Uh, the word and then uh please join our discord it's we have a thriving community there conversations are happening all the time uh to the point where i have to turn uh, notifications off at work because it's constantly going so please join us there join the conversation we have some very interesting conversations there so uh i think i hit all the points yeah that covers it bye So you guys know how I buy rule books. Yeah, which buy now? So I had never seen it before. I had only heard tales of the size and girth of it. Uh, but I was at Noble Knight today to buy some Infinity bases, and I saw the Kings of War Third Edition rule book. Oh yeah, you picked it, was, it up. It was thirty-seven bucks, so I just bought it. And let me tell you, mammoth of a thing. This thing is a. This is a hell of a thing, this book. It's oh, like that's cool. 400 pages of straight-up plastic boner. It's so big. <laughs> plastic boner. <laughs> it's, uh, it's beautiful, too. Like, it's well, well, like very well written. Um, well, like, the graphic, the layouts are really nice. The art is fantastic. It, like, it reminds me of the 6th edition Warhammer Fantasy uh, straight up book right back when it was awesome yes it like it definitely like that fourth i wouldn't know fifth sixth seventh edition warhammer fantasy like that that's what this book like de- like everything about it screamed that to me when i picked it up and i was like i must own this nice <laughs> um so i picked it up and i am i'm really stoked about it i uh i don't still don't know that i'm actually going to even try kings of war but i really like having this book well sometimes that's all that matters right Yep. And it has a bookmark in the 
in the spine. I love that so much. Oh, like the ribbony bookmark? Yep. Oh, yeah, those are nice. Yeah, I missed when Fantasy used to have that. And, guys, like, the, if you want to talk about how good Mantic is, too, like, the fact that this book is 37 bucks is amazing, because it's huge. Um, but it, this thing had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. This thing has 16 full army lists in it. Damn. Whoa. Right? So... Oh, that was, some, like, remember back in the day when GW would do that with the fantasy codexes? Like, put a full army, 2,000-point army list in the back for you to look at? Yeah, to give you an idea yeah. of how things worked? Yeah. And it was fluffy, too. Like, I remember the one in uh, the, the Lizardman. It was either 5th or 6th edition. The Lizardman one had a full army based around, like, lore. It was really cool. Yeah, this does that, too. It, like, has uh, stories and suggestions that go with each of the factions as they break them down in the book and the lore in the book of Panathor, which is, like, the name of the, the world that Kings of War takes place in. Um and it's cool because there's like a lore section breakdown for each each army where they right. talk about like how those armies operate, what they do, their backstories, a bunch of art and pictures of those armies painted and working. And then in the back, they have the uh, another thing that talks about how the army lists are constructed, how they are, if they're fluffy, and then a breakdown of all the armies so that it broken down into infantry heavy infantry cavalry swarms large infantry titans monsters war engines like those are and then heroes and those are all different like sections and and here's the real kicker of a thing that i love is that you can uh the book's made so that you can flatten it like the the um the spine is made so that you can put it on a photocopier and have it flat hmm. um and That's a nice touch. Yeah, and then I'll send you a picture so you can see what I'm talking about here. But each one of these, and I, I put a thing up to it, and I'll tell you after I send this. I, this is a random page, too. I don't even know. I think it's dwarves. Um, yeah, it's dwarves. So each one of those stat blocks is like the size of a magic card. It's in a... In a Wait, hold on. Are you holding it's com- it up? It's or, or it's, is no, it it's, it's, com- it's coming. Okay, it's cool. just the, 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 it's a, you know, it's a big ass picture. Yeah, it's big ass picture. Yeah. No, yeah, that's fine. I just wasn't sure if I was supposed to be looking at the video your, or, your, or the phone. Your phone. I'll okay. let you know when it comes in here. I don't know why it's taking so goddamn long to send it. All right, it looks like it's sent now. Nope, yep, I got it. There it is. But it's basically made so you can photocopy it. And mm-hmm. then you just you just can cut out the stat block, and that's for your card. The, the thing you have, and it's a card you can put in front of you. Yep, nice. very nice. I just thought that was a really nice touch the way they designed it like that. And we just need Infinity to do something. I was like that. thinking the exact same thing. Yeah, it's like, hey, Infinity, please, please, please learn learn about this. Yeah, like you've been it's so, you've it, been good about putting cards in your other games. Um, can we please get that for N four? Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be super nice. It's also nice. So I think I'll tell you about this game that's super sweet. So are you looking at that page? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So put your eyes on the, just for example, the Iron Watch crossbows. Okay. Where's those at? Upper left. Got it. Very first entry. Got it. 
Yep. See how it says troop, regiment, and horde with the number 10, 20, and 40? Mm-hmm. All right. So what you can't see is that at the beginning of the book, it's, it tells you what size, like the ranged infantry, large infantry, all that stuff is what the ba- it's, it's base size. That's what that's referring to. So just as an example here, uh, infantry are on 20 by 20 mil squares. Okay. So you know that it, and this says that a troop is 10 of them, right? So 10 20 by 20 go, goes on a 100 by 40, right? So two ranks. Okay. Okay. Two ranks of five, right? And you see it says 10 because that means 10 models, right? But the game, the way the game works is that the official rules state that you can multi-base. So instead of putting each archer, in this case, on a 20, 20, 20 by 20 base, you can get a 100 by 40 uh, tray or MDF, and then you can make a single base and mount the archers to it. And if you do that, you need to have 50% plus one of the thing. So you could get six crossbow models and make a diorama base, and that would count as one of those troops of iron wash crossbows. That's dope as hell. Yeah, that, that makes it fun to build bases. It does, and it also means that like when you buy an army, you're you 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 buy two armies. <laughs> It's, do you know what I'm saying? Because like 50% plus one basically means that for the most part, you can build two units out of every quote unquote unit you get in a box. Right. How, if you're, if you're doing it that way though, how do you track dead guys? You don't track dead guys. <laughs> That's the best thing about Kings of War. So you, you'll also look on the stat sheet, right? And so on the stat sheet, you can see where it says NE 1012. Yeah. Okay. So when you roll to hit them, you uh, do a number of wounds. So you see what their defense is, right? So you roll to hit and you see if you hit and that's your stat. So you like for them, they have a range plus five. So that means they roll and their fives are hits, right? Mm -hmm. And let's say they hit something that had the same defense as four. So you take all those fives and re-roll them as fours. Every one of those hits. So you just count that many hits on the unit and that many hits stay on the unit. So normally what people do is they just line up a different color of D6s behind their bases to indicate how many units are on it, right? And so then after combat is done, you roll a dice. And if that D6 plus the number of wounds is, is higher than that second number, they just die. They flee. Okay. So basically what that's saying is at 10 wounds, that model wavers. And at 12 wounds, the model's dead. It flees the battlefield. Right. Okay. So basically you're tracking them with a dice instead of removing guys. Yes. You don't remove. You just track wounds. So some people use wound dials. Some people use dice. Right. Okay. Well, that's fun. Yeah. It definitely makes the the diorama base style uh, functional for gameplay. Yep, and it keeps the the it keeps the shit looking real tight too, man. You know what I'm saying? It like the games look awesome when they're on the table, right? Because um, the the models are either the, I mean the the units are either dead or functional, right? Like right. That, and that that it 
really works in the rules of the game too, especially in a game where it's an I go, you go system, right? Where you have like a full turn where you're, you know, you're not really doing anything. Um, it's really nice to have the fact that like, it's not necessarily like you're generally your guys can last a round or two in combat, right? They don't normally get aced off the table. Right, and you're also not necessarily uh, straight up dealing with, oh, my guys, I've lost this many guys, so... uh, Now they can't do shit. Yeah, exactly. Now they're worthless. Which is kind of nice. And the army I picked is super elite. I like it. I don't know what it is, but I like it. So, if I play, like right now, I'm going to make one base. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm going to make one base. I've been talking to Paul about this. I'm going to make one base, um, and you'll see the picture I sent you. And so those are full model count regiments um, because everything in the army uh, starts at large infantry and just goes up from there. It's just it's just large infantry, uh, monsters, cavalry, and war engines. <laughs> uh, and troll bloods are perfectly scaled for them because the large infantry large infantry starts on a 40 by 40 mil and all troll blood models basically are on 40 mil rounds right um so they're perfectly scaled and i'm gonna i'm gonna make uh if you look there there's that unit of warriors that's got six models in the lower right hand side or the middle right of that picture that i just sent you Mm -hmm. and Minimum or minimum model count for that is four, and I'm going to base them with five. I'm going to put five because I have ten fen blades, um, and I'm going to make a base with five fen blades on it. Like it? Yeah, that man. works for sure. Yep, seems good. Yeah. Seems fun. Not bad at all. Seems to be the way to go if you like regimented battle. Yeah, I mean, I don't, like I said, I, I wanted it more of like as an art project. Yeah, no, I get curiosity. that. Definitely 100% get that. That's the um, only reason why I still remotely even own any Space Marines is because there's the art project of wanting to do an entire legion of uh, Ultra Marines. Yep, of ult- yep. Ultra Boys. Yep, and then like, and I love rule books, right? So I saw this rule book, and I finally like put my eyes on it, and I was like, "Holy mother of God, I need that in my life." 